Well, welcome out to uh, episode 10 of Utah in the Weeds. We're recording on location here. Unfortunately, we're not going to give the location, though. Uh, I mean, right. what, what I should we this, tell people? Though? I mean, basically, we are at a grow operation, probably the best grow operation in the state. Okay. At an undisclosed location in the valley. Yeah. And it's our temporary spot. Right. Uh, as we're building out, finalizing, and I'll show you some pictures here when we're done of our permanent facility. Uh, first phase of our permanent facility is about built out. We just got all of our CERNA HVAC equipment, you know, for climate control. As we were discussing earlier, climate control is essential and key. So yeah, we're oh, really, really excited. We've got a cool facility right here. We're doing some really fun stuff. We're using this as a research and development opportunity. We're using a lot of new technology here. We're uh, using some new mediums, some new new uh, phenotypes, uh, new processes to to utilize this technology. So it gives us a really good opportunity to dial in, you know, our processes. So when we move into our permanent facility, we really hit the road running. Well, that's going to be pretty sweet. We didn't even we didn't even introduce. introduce. Yeah, I was that's say, right. That's Sean. okay. So Sean, yeah, Sean Hammond. Now, uh, let, let me take a minute. Now, Sean and I have known each other for quite a while. We knew each other before I was involved in cannabis uh, professionally, and quite a while, before. right? Like years. Our our kids play. Our daughters play soccer together, and that's I think how we met. Yeah. Um, years ago, right? And uh, you were coaching. You were doing some uh, soccer coaching. Yeah. I and think. now, oh, then we got into. I, I mean, you've always been into Olympic lifting, but uh, certainly somebody. If you're an Olympic lifter out there. Uh, you want to look up Sean Hammond and his gym, although he's pretty busy for the co- <laughs> on the coaching end. But uh, a level the gym's two, been pretty quiet the last couple months. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Right. So wait. So I'll, you own a gym too? I do. Yeah. It's he, it's a private gym. It's it's uh, dedicated strictly to Olympic weightlifting, which is uh, a competitive sport. So it's it's not like bodybuilding. It's it's not powerlifting. It's uh, the lifts that are done in the Olympics, which include the snatch uh, and the clean and jerk. So it's, there's a kind of a small, active, highly energetic uh, community of weightlifters here in Utah. We always get national events here, but there's not a lot of weightlifting gyms. So several years ago, uh, I've been coaching weightlifting a long time, but several years ago, I, I, uh, opened up a small gym in my garage to train athletes um, because there's not a lot of coaches. And then that morphed into a little larger facility, well, quite a bit larger facility. I mean, it's still, it's larger than the garage, but it is still a small. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple like, thousand, 2,400 square yeah, foot, something like that. Five platforms. It's, it's pretty small, but it's, it is perfect. And we've, we've coached there together and we've, co- and, uh, and I've been coached by Sean. So we've known each other quite a while, but then, you got in, and you've been involved well, in the cannabis. I've been in, involved in in the cannabis space um, for about five years, and um, I made a switch from private equity and in the finance space into cannabis, um, primarily because I saw a really unique opportunity um, being in the private equity space. There was there's no banking available for cannabis deals, so as states started to legalize. Um, Cannabis entrepreneurs are looking for capital. They looked at private equity, private lending. So for years and years, I'd been seeing uh, loan requests or financing requests from from grows and grow operations. And I've been a long-term 
a user and uh, I can't say advocate, um, you know, not really an advocate until probably the last seven years. But uh, I saw an opportunity in the cannabis space. I told my partners, hey, guys, uh, you know, this, this firm we started, you guys keep it rocking. I'm going to go out and uh, do something in cannabis, but I don't know what. So I spent like six months meeting people, talking to connections in legalized states, spending time in Colorado and Washington. Um, Oregon was getting ready to come online uh, with their recreational opportunity. So I uh, decided I wanted to get involved really at the ground level. I love the plant. I wanted to understand the plant. So I just dove in and got the opportunity to uh, get connected with a master grower out in Southern Oregon through an attorney that we had done some deals together in the private equity space. Uh, his family had, in the 60s, his dad was literally like a rocket scientist that dropped out uh, from Berkeley and moved up to the hills of Oregon and started growing high-end cannabis. And he's a second generation, got third generation farmer. So I got exposed to some really unique opportunities and uh, put together a, a grow operation up in, in Southern Oregon when they legalized. Um, started a hemp company, which allowed me to get back into Utah here. And the opportunity came uh, where Le Utah was looking to legalize. And uh, we're... And here I you was, are now. Here, right? I, here we are, right? So, yeah. so do you still have a grow in Oregon then? No, I don't. I uh, I built that out. I had a profit participation interest in it. And uh, the Oregon market got really jacked up early on. I heard so, that. So um, in 2017, we were our first grow. We were the 300th licensee in Oregon. And they maintained smaller grow license. The maximum canopy size was was limited. So we were about the 300th license to grow and we were, I had uh, some money down on another property on a farm where we were kind of utilizing the, what we learned in the first one to build out a, um, a second tier operation. And when we got into the system and we're ready to close, we saw, wow, there's now 900 licensed cannabis cultivators in Oregon with another 900 in the system waiting to be approved. Wow. Oh, we got wow. into the state metric system, which is, is kind of like our MJ freeway. And, and you find out, wow, there's 2 million pounds of wet weight cannabis that's already been harvested. Oh, wow. Just a yeah. glut. So, you know, you can do calculations what that's going to, uh, you know, dry down to. And, and that's more cannabis than than the state of Oregon consumed in the previous year. Right. So we uh, we didn't close on the, the second opportunity. And that's when I pivoted into hemp. I got into hemp actually because my master grower up in Oregon, she had a brain tumor that caused her to have seizures. So this was actually my first opera. I went into cannabis as a capitalist. No lie. I kind of understood the medical use initially, you know, years ago. I just thought, hey, man, it's just kind of a way around the law. And this was, you know, two decades ago. You know, sure. And I'm starting to smoke and, and, oh, yeah, medical cannabis is a thing. I'm like, cool, right? <laughs> but I, I didn't right. really understand that there was true medicine in it. Um, for several years, there was a, 
But when I, I got exposed to someone that had a severe medical condition that got off all of the pharmaceuticals that made her life miserable and she controlled it strictly with a high CBD strain of cannabis, I was fascinated. So, you know, the, in my capitalist mind, we're up in Oregon and uh, where everything you grow in Oregon that is cannabis related is captured in the state of Oregon. You can't cannabis can't cross state lines legally. So we were growing some strains of cannabis that were very, very low THC, very, very high CBD. And when we understood we could do the same thing with hemp, now I'm like, okay, well, now the country is is my opportunity. So this is back in 2017. Nobody had heard of CBD. A few people had, you know, CNN had done their documentary on on Charlotte, but that was that was how we pivoted into hemp and started producing CBD products and got exposure to other cannabinoids and really got exposed to the medical side of of cannabis through through hemp. So yeah, now uh, it's kind of come full circle and having the opportunity to take what I've learned, setting up operations, bringing in some of the best cultivators and, and growers in the world. And literally, we're focusing on trying to bring the best medical cannabis flower and concentrates and products available anywhere. We don't want Utah to be kind of snickered at when, oh, yeah, Utah went medical, right? Wonder what kind of swag they've got there and they're in their pharmacies. No. So we're, we're making sure that the patients of Utah absolutely have the, the finest flower for whatever conditions that they're, they're looking for. So when you, um, when you started growing here was, and you were talking about this earlier, you were talking about the state had a mandate that right. you deliver product on March 1st. And so it was, it seemed like it sounded like it was kind of almost a scramble. Well, it was for every cultivator. So in the application process, the state more or less required, hey, what's your temporary grow plan and what's your long term? So they understood, and, and I'll give the state props, they, uh, they really did a very aggressive rollout on their timeline. I've seen states just, you know, the citizens vote, they want medical, and then the legislatures just dig in their heels and do everything they can to delay the rollout. Utah is exactly the opposite. Not saying that there weren't problems or, you know, little things, glitches, and, you know, everything's not smooth. But I'll tell you what they did is they really pushed an aggressive timeline, almost overly, <laughs> because it's right. very, very challenging to set up a grow operation. So what we did is we set up a temporary operation so we could start refining our, our SOPs and, and also have some quality product available for patients on the state mandated March 1st deadline. And, sure. And we did. So, but it was, uh, it's a challenge, you know, growing here, you've seen our grow. We've got some beautiful flowers, some beautiful plants, but we're very, we're, we're manually handling the environment. Uh, it's not all automated. Uh, the facility that uh, we're building out now is state of the art, world-class, nothing better anywhere. And that's what I really appreciate about the, the, the crew at Zion. You know, they brought on the best scientists. I, I know you guys already had Blake Smith. Oh, yeah, Blake, Blake Smith. The, yeah. Just really smart guy when it comes to the cannabinoids and extraction and trying to turn it into medicine. Exactly. Right? 100%. And, you know, as, as good as Blake is in, in, the, in the lab, I feel, you know, 
he's complimentary to what we're doing here in the grow where we're trying to grow some of you know the best exotics the most beneficial plants giving them the best environment to create you know that user experience that gives patients the relief that they're looking for so we spent you know well over $150,000 just here on our little temporary grow um, and we're spending millions, literally, on uh, on our more permanent phase one. So, and we're already planning out phase two and uh, some other options. Um, user users, I think we're a little underestimated. Patient numbers. As far and as how, how many people are going to get a card? Do you think? Yes, and that's fantastic because my biggest concern, and this is something that I'm going to take a little credit. Um, oh yeah, you can take a little credit for what you're about to say. Go go right ahead. I, I've been bugging Tim's years for a couple of years, and yeah, especially this since is, this, this is was all voted <laughs> that uh, there was going to be a, a big glitch in the supply chain, effectively, and that's going to be patients because there are doctors that are unwilling to write patient recommendations because they don't understand cannabis. So I've been pushing Tim, and that's that's a really broad, generalized statement. But sure. in in general, if you ask a doctor what he learned about the endocannabinoid system in medical school, he's going to say all of nothing. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, we learned in school that it was a class one, you know, federally regulated, schedule one drug, equal to heroin. Yeah. Don't don't uh, don't use it. We treat the side effects, the psycho, uh, the uh, anxiety, paranoia. We got. Uh, schooled on that. Oh, yeah. But as far as using it for medicine, even though, I mean, I went to school well within the decades that California had been already utilizing cannabis as medicine, it still wasn't taught. And it's still, the it's endocannabinoid still system isn't even taught. When I approached the University of Utah and Rocky Mountain PA programs, they both have nothing. They had nothing until I'm developing their curriculum. For the whole endocannabinoid system. And these are receptors that we've known have been around since the, the 80s. Ni- yeah, yeah, 80s. Yeah. So I, I've been pushing Tim to uh, really take a, a deep interest in cannabis. And um, I think I remember a couple of years ago maybe sending you a TED Talk from a medical doctor. Oh, yeah. I remember the TED Talk. It was uh, He spoke about, I can't remember his name, but he talked about patient control. And really, and I repeat this a lot in my clinic visits, and that is, I mean, cannabis essentially gives patients control of their treatment, treatment, which we have not been giving them before. How, when, how much, what delivery system, quick acting, long acting. The medical system likes control. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's no Doctors are highly intelligent people. They've gone to school. They want to tell you what to do because they know what's wrong. They've been taught that. So control is in, in the doctor's arms and in the cannabis world, it's, it's a lot different. And the Ted talk I'm referring to is a, a doctor whose mind was changed by a little old lady. Uh, I can't even remember the condition that she had, but the, the gist of it, she said, went into her doctor and said, Hey, what do you think about medical cannabis uh, for my condition? And he said, what 99% of doctors at the time probably said, well, there's no evidence to support that. And she reached into her little bag and pulled out a big stack of documents and laid them on his desk, said, maybe you should research some of this uh, before you make those kind of claims, and then let's talk. And he said, 
I did. And uh, it really was the tipping point for a, a change in how he viewed cannabis and, you know, giving patients back some control for their conditions and, and options. So that was something I sent a couple of years or a while back to Tim. And I'd been encouraging him, hey, the state of Utah needs doctors that understand what this medicine does, how it can help. So I've been encouraging him for quite a while to to jump in and uh, start a clinic. And now look at him. There we go. And now, and now he, I, I won't take podcast. all the credit. He's got a, he's got a yeah, cannabis right. podcast. Take a, but I've been pushing. Take, all, take as much credit as you want. No, that's, I mean, I'm glad busy, you though. did, it's man. Really, uh, it, it's just made a big difference in a lot of people's lives so far. And oh, we know. I mean, we, we, I mean, we, we know we, a we lot of the same that, patients, right? right? And we know that there's going to be a lot of patients who still are yet to find that benefit. But every week, man, I talk to people who've never done this before and they call me the day after, three days later, and they're like, "Wow, I've never felt, I've never slept so good. I've never." <laughs> Isn't had that the most common like, thing? I, that it's, you I mean, the sleep hear is like the sleep. The, yeah, I've sleep never is slept like so the good. yeah. I've never slept so good and waking up so refreshed, right? Yeah. So, uh, kind of our our backgrounds definitely cross, and although we haven't, uh, we certainly haven't been to the gym mm. in a long <laughs> time. Yeah, many you, you many look months, rough, my guy. Just yeah, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> One day we'll get back there, um, but maybe we just need to lift more plants. I got to tell you, I'll put you back in the tent, and you'll be doing some yoga. You know, stretching in under those plants, deleafing, trying to. Yeah, that's that's work. I mean, watching it's the like plants, in there, like you know? your your the guys you have in yeah. there, they it is a really um, it's much more meticulous work than I imagine. I mean, this is, I mean, you could call it farming, right? But it is not. This is a scientific process. You've got a guy over here that is trimming the leaves off of the flowers. Hand trimming. Yeah, hand trimming every bud. And it take he can get through maybe a pound a day because we're very meticulous on on how we trim. It's pretty impressive. The the two guys you've got in the tents that are deleafing the flowers and just the smell of fragrance. Don't you think, Chris? Like, oh yeah, it's pretty cool back in there. I mean, without giving too much away, I'm curious. Yeah, we can talk like, about it. You like, can, in fact, you can see my facility okay. online. Okay, so, so people can see it. Yeah, I've, I've got a, an Instagram account. Don't judge me. Uh, it's 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 new. I'm old, and this whole social media thing's all new to me. I never even had a MySpace account, right? No you never had a nice MySpace. I love MySpace, MySpace. Facebook. Was, I'm I'm like a ghost online. Right. So what's until, your Instagram? Until about six weeks ago, I started. No, it's pretty sweet. I've been so, watching your uh, your yeah, Instagram. You know, what's the handle? Uh, at Zion Farmer, at uh, Zion pH Farmer, Farmer, yeah. yes, Farmer. good. I like that. Yeah, I like the play. Cannabis and Zion, of Zion course. Like, there's Farmer. some pretty good names, but I think you guys do have a good name for for Utah, right? Well, you know, the location is really uh -huh. cool. We're in, we're in that you know Zion region, and the, you know the the national parks, and that was really kind of uh, Zub's idea when he when he picked the name. Um, regionally, it's very unique here. Sure. Also, you know, you feel like a little reggae. You got the road design. You got a little now. What was Damian it, Marley? And, was it tough to find a place like this? Yeah. In Utah? Oh, yeah. I well, mean, there's a lot. Yeah, lots of challenges because within the law, you have to be so within certain zoning. Yeah. You have to be a certain distance from schools and from residential. Uh, you have to have landlords that are cool enough to work with you and uh, progressive enough to see a real opportunity to to do something long term because we're spending. I mean, 
millions of dollars of equipment right behind me, you see there, and spending lots of money to build out just this facility, which will be our, actually our permanent extraction and processing facility. Yes, this is a, definitely a process. And up front, we've got the laboratory there. You guys walk through where you checked in, you know, and we've got our scientists up there. And then back behind, uh, you know, that crate uh, that we now have electricity for as of yesterday. Thank you, Mary Power. <laughs> we can get our VTA uh, distillation machines uh, set up. There's a couple million bucks right there. Yeah. We, showed you our extractor so it's a process we're we're looking uh, to really create some cool stuff here very cool no it's it it blew me away when i came in here i mean i've i've been to grows before like in california but not one in utah so i, I didn't know what to expect well wait till uh, wait till you get down to our permanent facility we'll uh, when, when we'll try that? to blow your mind yeah so, like an estimate of when yeah so we're we're we just got like 19 crates uh, or pallets of hvac equipment uh, this week few hundred thousand dollars in HVAC equipment and we're waiting for some other components. We're about call it six to eight weeks from our longest lead timeline, you know, lead item on our timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, But we should be operational maybe two weeks after that. And then about 12 weeks after that, three months would be the, the time maybe so really by Christmas. No, before that. So what we're going to do is we're, we're going to try to manage a, a continuous harvest. Oh, I see. Okay. So we'll take the plants that we're vegging out here. And as soon as it's ready, the facility is, is ready. We'll move those straight into the flower rooms there. Um, and it'll be about eight weeks of nine weeks of, of flowering time. And then so, we'll, so speaking of fall. flowering time. Do you want to talk about what you have growing here as far as strains, or do you want to talk about uh, you had some strain in the dispensary mm-hmm. at some point, right? That we sold did. out. You know, like I said before, we're doing a lot of R and D and defining our genetic library, and and when you do that, not everything's a keeper, right? I got it. So if you, for instance, if you pop seeds, even though those seeds are from the same mother plant, you're going to have a lot of genetic variation among those seeds. All right. Just like if you and your wife have a thousand children. Sure. You're going to have a lot of genetic variation. Oh, man. Right. So what we're looking You'd have for to sort is I'm looking those for, kids to find a good one. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for those Olympians, those that show that potential that have the characteristics of the mother plant, the father plant that, you know, that terpene profile, which is the smell which is really has a major effect on how the cannabis affects the body. You know, it's the terpenes really are probably the primary director in your overall experience. You've talked to Blake. We won't go into too much science. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, got, the, the terpenes and the other, the minor cannabinoids, I mean, they make not the Not even whole, really. So here's, really here's the thing. So in cannabis, and if you run our test, we're going to, you're going to have 20 ish something plus percent of THC, maybe a very little amount of CBD. Okay. But most of the minor cannabinoids have already been bred out of this generation of cannabis. So you've got primarily THC. So why does cannabis feel so different across the spectrum? If really the only quote psychoactive compound is THC, why is this one uplifting? Why does this one help me with my anxiety? Why does this one help me with my nausea? Because it's all THC, right? Well, 
the main variation is the terpenes and that interaction with your body with the cannabinoids. That's, you know, at least my current understanding. That's and that's, see, this is like, this is good to talk about because there's this, this explains there's why this we grow what we grow here is and why we choose profile. You got it. The now, are we growing back in? Do you find, do you see the industry as a whole growing minor cannabinoids back into the plant? So there's, or is there a, or is that? It depends just, on which, which way the industry grows. So commercialization is going to bring inferior product, meaning when your big tobaccos or your Monsantos and, and those people get a hold and, and start driving the industry, which we know it's coming, right? So it's the plant will be much less interesting, but you've got some really cool breeders out there that are doing searches and, and finding these old land race strains. So I've got some in here. We've got a, a plant bred by Poetry of Plants, uh, Nelson Lindsley. Um, he has some really unique, um, in fact, we've got several of, of his cuts that we're growing, but one in particular was a Zimbabwe land race strain that he got out of Africa and he crossed it with a modern blue cookies. So plants like that are more likely to have interesting cannabinoids. I know, actually, I, I don't want to reveal any work product that I, I shouldn't with Nelson, but he has bred up some very, very interesting high like 15 percent plus of quote minor cannabinoids that aren't found anywhere else and you know implications for those miners isolated are like sixty thousand hundred thousand a kilo so there's some really cool stuff going on with some really quality breeders and then you've got commercialization on the other side okay that that i mean this brings it to be makes more sense to me as far as what's been bred out of the plant over the time, essentially the commercialization of the recreational weed. Right. right? So if you you smoke an ACDC strain, right, it's not going to get you very high because it's got a highly balanced cannabinoid content of THC and CBD. Very, very balanced. Okay. It's not going to get you that high. So, you know, in the 80s and 90s, no one knows about CBDs, even in the early 2000s. What the cares what cbd i don't know it, all i know is it doesn't get you right. high so <laughs> right. i don't want that screw that screw that strain let's breed the ones that get you high and and that was that's kind of how that came about so we really have a so much to thank for the black market and cannabis culture for what we have but a lot of it has also been driven towards that segment of the culture that's you know really looking for that high thc the science is all new what did we know about minor cannabinoids five years ago? Yeah, I mean, I'd never even heard of it. Right. So, you know, we can't lay some blame. They've taught us how to grow some incredible plants and really how to manipulate. And they've brought some incredible products to market. And you've smelled some of the uh, the terpene profiles oh, and yeah. the varying terpene profiles. Like I, I shared a Maxine with you. And that was that citrus bowl terps and really citrusy. It's a nice, bright Great daytime, more creative strain. And then you also smelled fatso. And that was rank. That was the GMO and the legend OG. Smells a little bit like garlic, onions, armpit, 
I mean, stanky, stanky. <laughs> Give it all. Right. But I'll tell you what, there's but a medical boy, purpose they're pretty. Oh, and fat. And there's a reason she's called fat. So you saw yeah. the buds and the colas <laughs> on her, right? Yeah, they're, they're very pretty flowers. Very potent. And that one's bred because of the high THC content and the effects that it has on patients that require that for pain and sleep. So again, depending on the condition, we're trying to grow the best craft strains available uh, that are going to help alleviate or, or provide that. Do you think being in Utah holds you back at all growing cannabis? No. Not that it should, but- No, I, I'm, I'm very... so excited to, to be back here doing this. Um, you know, Oregon was awesome, but my family was here. I had other opportunities to grow, manage, you know, go manage some large, very large operations outside of the U.S. Um, didn't want to do that. I spent a lot of time in the private equity world, traveling to China, Chile, doing things away from my family. And I didn't want to do another project out in the islands. Then they got hit by a hurricane. Right. So, but all that, you know, was happening at the same time. I think that was, I was looking at a, that project in February of 2018, perhaps. And that's the same time that Utah, the prop two was, was coming through. And then everything started shifting. And when, when it was voted in, it's like, hmm, I might be able to help the people in my state here and, and really bring some high quality medicine. Let's, let's see. I mean, what I'm getting is that the the way Oregon did it with 900 permits and 900 people waiting and 2 million pounds of, of uh, dry flour. I mean, come on, that just ridiculously managed. Uh, when Oregon you talk was about in a really like unique situation, though, because Oregon grows so much cannabis and has for decades. In fact, they grow so much cannabis that got exported to the black market. Right. So what they were trying to do is give these operators a chance to get legal, and a lot of them did. But I don't know if they realized just how much of the rest of the country, you know, that market supported. So now all of the the cannabis that was being grown to go help patients elsewhere, right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was now contained in a state uh, recorded seed to sale tracking system and couldn't go anywhere because. And, and that was just a small fraction of the growers. So it, Oregon was really unique. They're, they're trying to get people legal. A lot of times when these programs come online, it's hard to see all the ramifications that are right, going to happen that down you're the making line. in the beginning. Do you see that are, there's anything now with the Utah legislation or the Utah law that you can see needs to be changed because it's, it's a real uh, hindrance? Or do you think we're on the right path for the next? I, I think we're... You know, I, I, I can't criticize too much. Um, I really think that we're on the right path. It's, I, I know there's a frustration with patients because, hey, we're legal. Dispensaries are starting to open. Why is there no product? Well, it, the timeline that the state set was very, very aggressive. Often it can take years to build out and get a facility up, running, and optimized. Oftentimes in a facility, you don't even have a, a crop that makes it through harvest for several, several months. I mean, we were fortunate. We've harvested everything. So, But it's, it's very uncommon to build a facility and get plants in there and actually be successful right out of the bat. Every environment's different. Permitting takes time. 
So I, the patients of Utah are, are wanting more product, which is fantastic. That was my biggest concern, that we wouldn't have the patient count, that all of these operators would be spending millions of dollars and, and doctors would be unwilling to, to write recommendations. That hasn't been the case. No, I don't Thank think God. that that's been the case. However, I do think, you know, I was looking at the uh, report the Department of Health came out with uh, the other day, and they have 3,900 patients that have got active cards. And then they have a little bit more in-depth uh, reporting where they can show the sales from the cards, and then they can show the sales from just the letters. Right. And I think the demand is certainly outpacing the supply at this sure. point because there's only the three dispensaries. And, and I mean, right. And every, cultivators. That's, there's, there's only yeah, eight of us not, cultivators and it. But I, at the I'm, same time, it's just not enough. There's, there hasn't been enough time to get the cultivators all up and running at full force and all of the dispensaries open and running. So in my opinion, I know that there's some, still some growing pains with patients, but it seems to be growing at, at the same rate, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? The, the supply yeah. is growing at about it, the it same is rate. Growing. You know, we're going to have. 10 times the amount coming to market on our next batch out than what we had our first batch. So I think everyone is getting online and and getting ramped up. And I know that nobody's producing their best flower yet because, you know, it just, it takes some time. Sure. When do you, um, how often do you uh, release like flour to the dispensaries? As often as the state gets us back the test results, <clears throat> there's a little jab. How, long, how, long, <laughs> right? how long does that take for test results? Usually, uh, it's supposed to take a couple of weeks. Um, they go and smoke it. Well, I mean, not. Uh, <laughs> gosh, the Department of Health is. Uh, they're, they're a bunch of straight shooters. We interviewed. You, 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 you know, man. You know. Rich on, and he even said he didn't even use it. Yeah. This is all new to everyone, and their analytics laboratory is coming online just the same as everyone else. So. You know, their testing is, is taking a little bit longer. So what we're doing here is is we're looking to harvest a room about every three weeks and uh, because of the number of rooms that we've got. And then after we harvest, it takes uh, – we dry it for about 10 days to two weeks. We do a slow dry. So we, we harvest the whole plant to – you know, it's really dry here in Utah. So we try to slow down how quickly it dries to maintain the that right – moisture content. So when the moisture content is down to about 10%, then the state will come pick it up for testing. Then it takes about two weeks. During that time, you see us back here, we're trimming, we got labels done, jars, and just waiting for test results. And then when test results get entered into our MJ freeway, then we can release them to dispensaries. And what exactly are they testing? Like the THC percent, Stuff yeah, like they're that. they're they're testing to protect patients. Sure, and and yes, they do test for potency. First and foremost, they're looking at potency on two of the cannabinoids. We'd like for them to test more, and that'll come in the future. Um, but they're testing your THC, both your THCA and your THC, um, and your CBD. So those are and CBDA. Those are the two cannabinoids. They. Sh- we were hoping, we thought they were going to be doing terpene testing because that's very beneficial. But 
mostly they're testing for pesticides, microbials, fungicides. They're making sure that this is safe to consume. Right. It's not like a, uh, here's the profile of what the effects are. Nope. They're, they're testing. They want to make sure safety. Here's it safe. Here's the safety profile. Here's how much THC. Is there any heavy, heavy metals? Is there any unapproved pesticides, insecticides, fungicides? Are there any mold? You know, those are the types of things that they're testing for. So it's a good thing. Oh, it is hundred percent. Do they do this in other states? Is this yes. only, okay? So in, in medical markets, they do. Okay. And that's, you know, there's going to be a, a difference in what you pay in, in a medical market because of the testing procedures. And, and the state has, has been pretty good in listening to us because when we're starting out and we're doing small batches and they're required to take a certain amount of sample that might actually represent like 10% of our finished batch. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, come on guys. <laughs> right. So they're, they're refining, you know, their sampling and, and testing techniques and, and the amount that they have to take. But, and we've talked about this before. Um, but what's your opinion about now people not being able to grow their own versus medical grade? When you talk about testing, I mean, if I grow this in my backyard, I've got no ability to test what's on it. And and you don't know what your neighbor just sprayed on his plants next door, do you? Yeah, I mean, I know what you I pay. I know what I pay the lawn guy. Do looks like? Yeah, I. Yeah. In your bud, do you, do you know a, what mold looks like plant? inside no. your I mean, bud? I know is that pretty I, common in cannabis? Oh yeah, though, mold it can, and, so cannabis is it's really challenging to grow. Uh, hemp, not so much. So when you get it from a black market, you don't know what you're getting. But that's 100%. why that's why it's good to get it from somebody like yourself. Hundred percent, where it's tested, you know what you're getting. I I know what some black market growers listen they're they're in the black market a lot of them are great people doing a great thing but quite frankly most people that end up consuming the medicine have zero idea who actually grew it how they grew it what kind of pesticides do they spray it with eagle 20 is that going to put holes in your brain i mean there's there's some uh, shady people that will do some shady things to save a quote crop so, yeah, medical cannabis is it's important to have a, a functioning program where patients and understand these are sick patients, a lot of them with life. Oh, yeah. A lot of them with really that, conditions that like you, you want to introduce be, mold. You want to introduce right, pesticides or heavy with metals. People's nah, yeah. organ systems and, Their, uh, and immune systems may already right. be compromised. Um, so, yeah, state testing is critical. It's a really critical component. The patients need to be confident in what they're getting. I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, cannabis Facebook groups here in Utah, and everybody just complains, oh, the price is too expensive here. The price, And I'm like, well, you're paying for let quality product. Well, Plus, and, and it's let not, it, it's let not it adjust. It's cheap to set this and up. It, this happens in every state. Yeah. So go look at, go look at states, what happens uh, when, when they roll out programs. Yeah. You've got operators that are literally spending millions and well, that's, millions, that's what I mean. millions of dollars. Well, that's what I mean, licensing, permits, everything. I mean, it wasn't cheap Testing. to get this like, going, though. No one's tr- out there to try to stick it to them. Yeah. But operating costs are high. And then if you understand what's called the 280E tax, which basically the federal government says, hey, if you're doing making profits on anything that's federally illegal, then it's a penalty that before you can take any deductions other than your COGS, cost of goods sold, you have to pay us 38%. So there's... There's a lot of considerations at the end. Consumer doesn't understand what's going on. The testing that's got to be paid for the it's you know it's not black market. Yeah, they just want and the it's the program's product. in its infancy. And I get right. it, dude. Yeah. I mean, hey, we're legal. I want to go down to my dispensary and I want to buy what I want to buy. Hundred percent, get it. Little patience, we'll get there. Yeah, right. No pun intended. Yeah, the patience, right? right? Right. Little patience. 
we always ask like, uh, how can I phrase this? What What are your thoughts on like rec- the recreational market? I mean, obviously you're you're pretty pro. It, so I, mean, I, I guess to a degree, I I think the recreational market tag mm-hmm. is is wrong. It it, it sounds it, it, yeah. it should be adult use. Adult use, yeah. Because I can tell you, most of the adults that I know that are using cannabis that would be considered black market or recreational users are still using it to self medicate for something. I know oh, yeah. very I mean, few I don't, I know very few people my age who don't go that out are and going medicate. out just ripping bong rips on the couch to get couch locked and you know I mean they're out there no doubt but you know I just I think recreational kind of uh further carries on that persona of cannabis culture the you know the the lazy uh, the everything that's yeah, been associated lazy, not with, motivated yeah. so i i prefer the the term adult use um and i'm very exposed uh, to a lot of patients i've i've had a lot of exposure to the industry i think medical's a great step yeah 100% and i think the the next step for the state of utah is with the Department of Health, and this is something that I've talked to Tim about, is really expanding the qualifying conditions for cannabis. Oh, I agree 100%. Sure. Because there are so many conditions, and, and we, we know the same patients, and we've seen their lives change. Uh, they have conditions that, although they have qualifying conditions, they have conditions outside of those that have been helped dramatically, where... Western medicine has failed completely where pharmaceuticals have failed, you know, especially with things like depression, anxiety, you know, ADHD. There's, there's a lot of conditions out there that I feel once the research catches up to experiential user data, um, that's what we need to expand. And it's, that's why I I send everyone that I know to Tim because I want Tim to document everything, right? So yes, they've got MS, uh, spasticity, rigidity. They've got these conditions, but what else? You know, how's your mental condition? You know, right. these these types of things, and and these are important. Yeah, you bring up a good point. We do um, track not only just the pain diagnosis, but we track the specific diagnosis that they have that's uh, causing the pain in order for this exact thing, right? We in order to go back to the state, the legislature, and say, okay, look, in Utah, we're treating. You know, we're treating migraine headache pain, but what we should do is expand the qualifications to migraine headaches in these instances because it's it's helping, right? And, we and there's definitely, to- a, there is a mental health aspect, and I know the research there is probably lagging the most. Uh, yeah, but the research with, is hard to do, I think. But we've seen, I've seen experientially life-changing. I mean, I've got a, a patient that I've known for quite a while and she's she's had a a rough life with her husband uh, with going through mental issues been hospitalized several times gone through electric shock therapy uh she did have chronic pain issues as well she got a medical cannabis card and yeah the chronic pain went away but that wasn't the most deteriorating aspect of her life she couldn't function in daily life the doctors had her pumped up on benzodiazepines and uh, antipsychotics and antidepressants literally the, the cocktail of pharmaceuticals that they were throwing at her including i think seven different treatments of electroshock therapy wow and her life now night and day difference 
All of, all, all of the pharmaceuticals are gone. 80% increase in life enjoyment. And she met, and she met with her psychiatrist. Um, and he couldn't prescribe for her mental issues, right? Because it, quote, there's no data to support, but she's still meeting with him. She got cannabis uh, for her pain conditions. And all of a sudden her mental conditioned and all of the meetings with her psychiatrist he's you know how are things going pretty good and he's like floored because that's not a unique response and over the next few months where her life enjoyment level was probably at a 10 percent, was up to 70 so you know that's awesome. There needs to be more research, and that's why we've got Blake and, and Zion Pharmaceuticals to, to really kind of spearhead that, because anecdotally and experientially, we've seen it. Yeah. So that's that's where I think our next step is um, yeah, with expanding Utah those. before looking to adult use. There's a lot lot of ground to cover before we get there. I was just curious. I was curious. Uh, and you know. man, I, I'm all about adult use. I don't really like the government telling us what we can and can't do or should or shouldn't put into our bodies. I'm more of that, I guess, libertarian viewpoint when it comes to those types of things. But I understand where we're at, and I'm really, really appreciative of actually where we're at and in this program. I never thought we would be one of the first 30 something states to actually legalize. I thought we'd be 49 or 50, right? I mean, 49 or 50 or be forced to do it by the federal government. I think that was the other option. I mean, five years ago, had you talked to me about legalization in Utah? I'd have just kind of scoffed. No. Sure. Where are we You're going to have to move away. Well, the fact that you can even get a medical card in Utah. Yeah. Five years ago, I would have never. No. So, yeah. Uh, You bring up like everybody we've had on the show so far, (laughs) Nareth and Rich Oborn and you and Desiree Hennessy. I mean, Blake, everybody who's involved in this has the same kind of response to that question. Like, where do you think we are now? Or what do you think needs to be changed? And usually the first response is always, well, I think we're doing a pretty good job. Which I agree. Which yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. I think there is, yeah, there are definitely frustrations. Patients have frustrations. But I think overall, we've done a pretty good job. And I think so far, universally, that's the opinion. You've got a lot of disconnected surprising. people trying to create this program. You've got legislatures creating laws about a program that they don't they understand. Don't know anything, they they right. just, they don't understand. Sure. They just, you know, they grew up in the same age that we did, sure. you know. And in and in drugs Utah, are bad, right? and, and the medical association fighting against it because they have the lobby of the pharmaceutical company, and they don't know whether or not they can they can really buy into the medicine part of it because we don't know anything about it. Like we talked about med school, you've got the Department of Health, which is you know they're they're scared of the central fill. Remember that? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, so- it's all been control. They wanted to control. They don't want it to get, you know, they're, they're concerned about call it divergence, you know, products being created in the legal market, making it into the black market. And, and I just, I had the department of ag guys here the other day taking some samples and we were just talking. I said, listen, man, 100, you have zero to be afraid of with divergence because I can sell my product into the legal market to dispensaries for a lot mark, lot more than what I could sell it into the black market. It doesn't make economic sense. We're all spending millions of dollars to get into that supply sure. chain. 
So I think it kind of clicked. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. It's not- so it's, you know, you've got people creating rules that don't really understand. And then I'm, I've been pretty impressed with the Department of Ag and, and Department of Health. It's all new to them. They're trying to understand. They come by. We, we teach and as, as they uh, inspect. And it's been a good relationship. How yeah. often do they come by usually? Well, did you see the sign-in sheet up there? Well, it was like, <laughs> it was like today. Today, yesterday, probably the Just day whenever. before. I mean, <laughs> whenever. They're here yeah, all they're, the time. Uh, we had on the page that you you logged into, um, maybe 12 people on that particular page. That was probably, just today? No, I don't know. It was a couple yeah. of days, but eight of them were probably Department of Ag signatures. So, And they're looking for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, right? you know, they're, they're, they come here to t- pick up product for testing. So we have product that's available at different times. When the flowers dry, they can pick it up. When our lab has, you know, vape cartridges or tinctures or products that they create, they come pick them up. Uh, they did a, a bit of an inspection this week, you know, where they came and just make sure we're following the law and, uh, and that everything's clean and on point and, you know, by the book. So where are the, the dispensaries, of course, that are open now? Um, Perfect Earth and... The Dragonfly uh, Wellness that's open down on State Street. There's your products have been in those or in at least Dragonfly. Do you yeah, know of any them, other? All of them. Are so your I products going to be available everywhere or in certain dispensaries? You know, it's it's interesting the way that licenses were awarded. Uh, you have some vertically integrated operators, and what that means is you have an operator that has both a cultivation license, a processing license, as well as a pharmacy license. So in their best interest, their best business sense, it's to sell products that they create in their own supply chain, right? Because right. It, uh, it's the most profitable. Um, it just so happens that uh, the three dispensaries that are open are all the verticals. So, yeah, well, they are, I mean, and, they but our had products the are same available. motivation that you did to put out your first product. I mean, they, they had the mandate to have flour on the first mm-hmm. and they had nowhere to sell it. Right. So they, they almost had more incentive to get their pharmacies open. Oh yeah. Than the other grow operations. I don't know of any other grow operations that have sold product in dispensaries. I mean, have you seen any? Yeah. Trike, Trike has, Trike has some. I think, I think standard might, have had some flour in the dispensaries some. or and something. And Dragonfly like does, and, yeah, and we Dragonfly have. Yeah, Dragonfly So we had our initial release. We did a special release of a small batch of Maxine. Like I said before, not yeah. everything's a keeper. So as we were going through and, and identifying, you know, which phenotypes, which one of the sisters we wanted to, to breed, one of them was really, really interesting, but not the ultimate one that we kept. And that's the Maxine that we released. We did a special release on her. Then everything else you, you saw and smelled in, in the bins today, either what's being trimmed or, or waiting to go into trim production and packaging. Those will be available in pharmacies. Uh, we were, we, uh, we did our first flower drop exclusively at Dragonfly. I, uh, I'm not sure, uh, if we're going to do our, our next drop at both dragonfly and uh perfect earth or not but do you announce those or is that something like this is kind of an interesting field right like i did you would announce it like it's a commercial product although it's, we can't advertise it's, so right what I so do it's is, medicine yeah so with, with my instagram i wanted yeah. to educate i'm all about transparency sure i want people to see how their medicine's being grown i want them to see the plant health 
the the cultivation style utilizing leds like i said the technology that we're using oh yeah the light um, system is pretty impressive yeah the the living soil all of those things combine to create that craft cannabis that that user experience where those terpenes and the the potency is where you know the user really wants it so that instagram account shows all of our process from taking clones to our current temporary facility, even our build out at our, our, our permanent facility. I want people to see the plants. And, um, and that's Zion farmer, right? That's the, yep, on Instagram. That's to right. follow you. So what we did, we only had, you know, uh, a few pounds of, of this initial drop of Maxine. So what I did to my followers, I just said, Hey, um, we're going to have a, a special drop. Uh, so before dragonfly put it on their menu, uh, they got a code from me. Uh, so it sold out, you know, before pretty much Dragonfly got to put it on their menu. So that's another reason to follow you on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think I think we want to do that because well, that's I, really I want cool. people I like to, yeah, I want people to appreciate where their flowers coming yeah. from and understand what we're trying to do. Yep. I'm going to be able to probably explain to them what this flower does better than the bud tender. Yeah, because the, the pharmacist the bud, or the bud tender, right. they're they, not they going to know they as much. They don't know. They don't have the experience with it. And I grew it, and I know. So I'm, I'm going to tell people this flower is for this. It has their terpene profile. That way, it, it just helps the well, user helps make a... it helps the end user. It helps people get the right medicine, medicine for, their, for condition. their condition. If they're 100%. following along and they're they're like, okay, this this strain really helps me the most, then I do kind of I do want to know when it's dropping at the pharmacy because it's going to sell out. Oh, yeah. And it works the best, so I might as well know and go and down. It's kind of that farm to table concept, right? So you well, you, you know when you the see, tomatoes are harvested. Yeah, you just you're watching that. Okay, look, there's that clone. You're watching her grow up, and there there she is. She's flowering. <laughs> oh, they just harvested her. Oh, they just hung her to dry. Now they're trimming her, and and now I get to to partake. Yeah, so I gotta get. Uh, it, I, I'm gonna. I mean, I already follow you, but I've got to uh, get involved in that. And talk to my and find a way to get my patients that information as well. So we'll, we're limited uh, on what we can do. We yeah. can't advertise, but you have to be able to educate, right? Right. So the patients they can't go into the pharmacy and open up a jar and smell it. So they have no idea what those terpene profiles are before they buy it, other than what is told to them or their previous experience. So that's a bit of a challenge because that's really a reason how people pick out and determine which strain they want to smoke is a lot of times by that nose. Yeah. Like, oh, this, yep, that's that cush. That's that strong funk that I need. Or, okay, there's there's more of those citrusy, earthy terps that, that's going to help my condition. Very cool. This is super cool. I mean, I could sit well, here and yeah, talk about say, this all day. We should, we should probably do another episode. I mean, we could go all day here with well, this. Let's, I mean, yeah, we've let's, almost let's got go, Let's go on down the line, man. Yeah. This thing's a, a program that's going to be rolling out for yeah. years to come and uh you get some other interesting people and we'll get you down into the new facility yeah uh this fall and uh then you'll then you'll see what real production looks like no i'd, I'd really like that maybe by then we'll even have some video right like how cool would that be to have like a youtube channel too? oh could, i mean you could, could video a little bit of video. the uh, joe rogan right the, right joe rogan, and then Jerry. uh we could video a few of the plants did you guys hear yesterday joe rogan signed a deal with spotify did you guys hear this by no. chance no they're guessing over a hundred million dollars. He's going to be exclusive on Spotify, I guess. 
Wow. 100 million plus. Okay. Uh, you know, share this podcast with everybody. That's the goal. <laughs> right? Okay. We, <laughs> listeners, right? right now, please. He's got listen. a few more listeners click, click, than click. we do. He's got a, the guy's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's had a couple more years so far. Anyway. But, uh, any other, do you have any other questions? I don't, I, I mean, thank you so much for bringing us here. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about before? I mean, I'm sure there's a million things. Man. Yeah. There's we've a million talked things. about a lot, you know, we'll, we'll chat again. Yeah. Let's, um, let's chat again. I, uh, we've obviously already gone longer than we normally do. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's the beautiful thing about a podcast is you can go for as long as you, you want. You can cut out all the fluff. Sure. Go back sure. And edit all that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, sometimes that's the funnest part though. Right. Man. Sometimes that's the funnest part. Any other questions? No, I don't have any questions. I mean, if you want to get a hold of me, you can go to utahmarijuana.org. Uh, you can search that website. This podcast will be uh, loaded up on that website as soon as we can get it transcribed. We we transcribed all the episodes and post them there. And uh, uh, you can also, I mean, if you're a patient or if you know somebody who needs information on medical cannabis, how to get access to medical cannabis, then certainly you can go to that website, call our office number two. I'll, I'll give that. It's 801-851-5554. And uh, don't don't be afraid to to reach out. It's not as scary as it probably seems to some people. Do people it's not are, a bishop's interview? Are people nervous when they call you? There's no question about it. I mean, there are patients I talked to today yeah. who were referred by another patient of mine, and they're like, "Well, I've just been so scared to call. Well, you know, like, I just don't want to." What are they afraid of? Well, like, they're just afraid because of, of the the stigma of it. Yeah, they're afraid. They've grown up here. They've they've wow. they just are afraid to talk about it. People are afraid to tell me where they work in the office. They're afraid that their privacy is going to be like, this is somehow they shouldn't be talking about it. I mean, when, and I get it. I, I like, I understand in the beginning when I first started this project, I was almost, it was, it, it was really, uh, I had to force myself to talk to patients about it. And now I'm, I'm super comfortable about it, but I remember what it was like in the beginning seeing those first few patients of mine and talking about cannabis openly, it was a weird feeling. Can we do an episode on like laws and, and how to talk about it? Maybe you guys, I heard there was like a police officer that pulled somebody over, wanted to know what their, what their uh, medical condition is. It's like, that's not their business. That's not no, no, business. no, that so is none that of is That is so, That is against well, no, that's, the that's, law, basically. I, I would love like, to do an episode on oh, this. Yeah. I'd I mean, love to do, do an that. episode and on just this. Just anybody out there, just yeah. know that this yeah. is a private Well, you, when you were talking about like patient. how people worry about like the, where they yeah. work. And and where they, like that's their, between you and them. It is between, yeah, your doctor and you, that's patient confidentiality, your condition, your medical condition, all private. Yeah. Okay, enough, enough, yeah, enough yeah, yeah, on that. Yeah. Tell us who well, you are, Chris. Well, where, Chris Hollerfield. I mean, I am SaltLake.com is my other podcast. So reach out to me there once we get more things settled on Utah in the Weeds. Utah in the Weeds on Instagram. Uh, send a message to Tim or myself. If you're listening, we'd like to know who's listening, right? Just say hello, right? Yeah, Be absolutely. Nice. Comment uh, on things. Who our listeners are, because we're still a new show, episode 10. Uh, did we get your, do you have a website, Sean, or no? Just your, just your uh, Instagram. Zion uh, Cultivars. Okay. They've got uh, a website. I think it's going under, they're just switching it to Zion Medicinals. Okay. I just wanted to give you a plug, but, you know, give you a little. Uh, go to my Instagram and then the websites will be all listed there sure. and, and the other associated Instagram accounts. Mine's more of a personal account. So it's not, you know, it's not corporate. It's just, hey, this is how we do things. Here's the flowers. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Um, and we just want to be able to educate, reach out to me if you have any questions on that. 
So you don't care if people reach out to you no, through no, Instagram? I get, I get right? direct messages. I get yeah. uh, messaged all the time, comments. I'm really bad. Uh, I'll be I'll be frank. Like I said earlier, this is my first social media. I don't even know where all the messages messages show up sometimes. Like I'll swipe a page and it'll say, oh, you have 11 messages. I'm like, why is it over there? Not in my normal. So I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> sometimes I'm a little slow responding, but, you know, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Very cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you again, uh, Sean, for letting us come here. Glad yeah, thanks. You thank guys. you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next. Thanks week for on- what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's, it's good to get the awareness out. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, guys. See you next week.